Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're we're back watching the Dominators episodes two and three. We're gonna we're gonna make a Dominators night out of this because what better way to spend a Friday night in January in Edmonton than to watch um, uh, four episodes of nineteen sixty eight Doctor Who? Uh, uh, well, I, I feel like I could come up with a couple of better ways, <laughs> right. um, especially since I started off my evening watching the. Uh, Final episode of Travelers season three. Oh my god! If you haven't watched Travelers, do it. I'm not even going to tell you anything else about it. Just it's all on Netflix, at least in Canada. Go watch that show. Oh my god, it was amazing. And then we're following it up with the Dominators, so that's a thing. Yeah, I waited uh, a good twenty twenty five minutes mm-hmm. after watching that, allowing you to watch that. Just, okay, you ready for some Dominators? Let's go. You've had enough time to recover from it. I may never recover from that, but. Uh, but I actually, I do feel like this was a pretty good palate cleanser. I needed something <laughs> that was sort of light and silly. And I've, I am finding this story to be sort of like, I, I know that it is not looked upon fondly. And I think that that's probably because so many of the people and elements in it are just so <laughs> utterly annoying, except I think this is kind of like the gunfighters in that, like, if you just like realize it's a farce. This is a comedy. There's not supposed to be any actual stakes. It's it's actually like you can kind of lean into that and uh, not be quite as annoyed as you might otherwise be. But of course, it wasn't made as a farce, unlike the gunfighters. Are you sure? Because yeah. it absolutely looks like it is to me. Every single scene with the doctor and Jamie, broad physical comedy. Like, you know, it's just as wacky as can be. You've got Toba, who is, you know, just wants to destroy everything. That <laughs> looks, this looks intentionally like a comedy to me. It really does. I, um, I'm just... There are plenty of people who didn't think that about the gunfighters for many years. But it was actually written as a comedy, the gunfighters, whereas I don't think Derek Sherwin took the scripts and this says, I'm going to make these a comedy. I think he tried to... It's almost... It's, this almost feels like a conscious decision on the part of Troughton and, and Hines to sort of, sort of let's play the comedy up in this because, yeah. Who directed it? Morris Barry, who... You go on. Well, I was just going to say, because, you know, I think you're right. It's it's not written as a comedy, um, but it seems to me that it was directed as a comment, comedy. M- Morris Barry, uh, as remembered by many of the cast and crew, is a very straight-laced, down-the-middle... Uh, no nonsense director. Like he would say, "Okay, this is your spot, Fraser Hines. You go to J one, over to J two. That's where you go." He used to direct, or at least in rehearsal, he had like a music stand with his notes on there. He just sort of stand there, and he could almost conduct. So I would, I would take, I would believe what you were saying if it was any other director other than Morris Berry, perhaps the least humorous director in Doctor Who. Well, just because you do your job in a humorless fashion doesn't mean that you can't end up with a purposefully humorous product i mean you know you just because you're directing like when you're the director it's the other people that are being funny not you i i just feel like he his tolerance for this sort of thing i've spoken before about how i feel it was morris berry that actually toned down the comedic elements of patrick troughton's performance in the moon base from what he had done uh, in this first three stories, and that almost kind of set in a pattern to where he's going. And it's almost kind of funny that we've now Morris Barry comes back after having directed two minutes of Cyberman in between, and like we suddenly have this 
sort of more buffoony doctor. Um, so like all of his work in the moon base is gone for naught. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, and I mean, honestly, like the scenes of the Dulcians as well uh-huh. are just, they're so OTT as to be ridiculous. And yeah, I can see how it would be annoying if you're, if you're trying to read it as, a, you know, a straight ahead story. And I mean, even trying to read it as a comedy, still pretty annoying, but, uh, but yeah, it, it very much strikes me as a sort of ridiculous morality play about how being a pacifist makes you stupid, which is that like at the core of it is the thing that bothers me the most. It's very frustrating that just the idea that you would turn away from violence makes you an idiot. No. Yeah. See, this is, (laughs) I I think uh, Mervyn Hazeman and Henry Lincoln intended to sort of be like the theme, what if pacifists are forced to fight? Kind of like taking that mm-hmm. moment in the Daleks, the very first Dalek story, yes. and turning it into a whole six-part story. I'm wondering at that point, perhaps was Derek Sherwin a lot more cynical about that and just turned it into from, you know, the Dulcens need to decide how they're going to fight or if to fight at all to Dulcens are stupid because they won't fight. I'm wondering if perhaps Derek Sherwin's personal bias was coming out there. Maybe. I don't know. All I can say is like in those scenes, the way that they are performed and directed, that that reads to me as a comedy. Right. Like the Doctor and Jamie, like the, the, their reactions, that it's just, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Even like Rago and Toba, you think they're... Uh... Are you kidding? Of course. <laughs> they're playing it so straight that you can't help but laugh at them. Well, I mean, it's it's so straight in the, the sort of like uh, 1950s B-movie villain oh, yes. kind of straight. Uh, we are definitely in the 1950s here. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's scenery chewing to such an extent that, yeah, I, I think it is. And maybe they didn't realize that they were being funny, but it's... It, it is very, uh, very comic to me. I'm not sure irony uh, has crept into <laughs> television and Doctor Who at this stage, given some of the performances of the villains and such at this time. I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like Rago knows what's going on, or the actor who's playing him, Kenneth Ives. Yeah, yeah. Like I. I, th- I I think you're selling I think you're selling people of that era short when you say that there's no such thing as that kind of irony. I think that that is a very uh, very aid not ageist timist point of view. Yeah, you're being you're being very uh, you're looking down on people of the past just because they're in the past, and I don't think that that's uh, I don't think that's fair. I think I don't know the the vibe I get off of him in his interactions with Toba is very knowing i think that he knows exactly what he's doing he understands the dynamic between the two of them and i think it's funny who's toba again toba is the one that wants to destroy all the time right right yes yep Mm -hmm. okay yep yeah it's like it's the odd couple (laughs) it is (laughs) it is like an odd couple going on vacation together and they can't ever get along because one likes to keep things neat and tidy and the other one always wants to destroy (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. yeah, except it's the Corks, the stupid friggin' little Corks singing the theme song. 
what, what what do you have against the quarks? I just okay, so because now you actually get to see them. You only saw them ever so briefly at the end of episode one. So I have been hearing about the quarks for years. Um, I, I know multiple people who think that they are just amazing. So I was I was super ready to be team quark. Right. I am not team quark. <laughs> they're uh, they're like I, I as I was saying after we watched one of the episodes the, their form factor is is interesting looking like it's kind of it's kind of neat looking they're they're spiky and boxy and stuff but then they move and they talk and it's just it's just dumb and they don't do anything and they apparently recharge by flopping their arms back and forth <laughs> which if that's the case why do we need to conserve their power and use slave labor so like it's just uh, yeah not not very well thought out in terms of uh in, in terms of, i think the coolest thing that they do is blow up and leave their two little feet standing there in the middle of the quarry. It was a pretty impressive explosion, to be fair. It really was. <laughs> like I said, that was the best part. Yeah, I am. There's, there's just, there's nothing about the quarks that does anything for me. I think their voices are annoying. I think the little pokey things on their head uh, make them look like robotic parrots, and mm-hmm. like the little metal things that stick out of the, their little globe heads. Like, just who? Who would actually design that as a as a robot? Hazeman and Lincoln actually uh, agreed to a toy deal on their own for the Quarks, uh, unbeknownst to the BBC, and then the BBC tried to use them in a comic or something, and that's kind of what led to them blowing up. Like Hazeman and Lincoln thought, yeah, these guys are going to be the new Daleks. They look great. They're going to be super. Mm-hmm. No. No. I mean, and as as you and I were saying off mic earlier, that, that, that part of the genius of the Daleks is the fact that they they roll along, they sort of hover on the ground. So it's it's an otherworldly kind of movement. And as you pointed out very rightly, that would not work in this story because it's in a quarry and mm-hmm. you know what the heck are the Daleks going to do? Well, we'll see that later in Destiny. But right. um you're uh, gonna be awesome is what they're gonna do spoilers <laughs> yeah I can't wait I love that story um, but uh, but yeah every time you have another type of of creature or robot or monster that has to walk and be bipedal like I'm thinking of these guys the crotons like it's just it they're lumbering and it doesn't look it doesn't look any better or cuter because they are somewhat more diminutive in the form of a quark it's tough isn't it it's Mm -hmm. tough coming up with a successful doctor who monster that isn't just a guy in a suit yep you know yeah absolutely and i mean that's more power to him for giving it as many tries as they did but this, this one just, it uh, it doesn't work for me. Like, I don't hate the quarks or anything. I've just, I am very disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. There's children in those uh, suits. I hate them even more now. <laughs> you just, you just, you just knocked them down a peg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quarks. Are children allowed to like work on set at the BBC in this day and age? For a certain amount of time, yes, okay. they were. Yeah, they were like sort of, you know, on location. They're probably okay. Time's up. You can't use them anymore. And probably in the studio as well. So, yeah. I mean, that is that is pretty cool though, from like a kid's perspective, to be able to say I was on Doctor Who right. in in yeah, like that that from a from a completely doyless perspective. That's awesome. Yeah, that is very cool. Like I not only did I watch the Doctor Who monsters, I wasn't like mm-hmm. how I don't know how old these kids were, but yeah, they were mm-hmm. mostly kids. They weren't voice, even though the kid that this the voices sound kind of childish too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they were voiced by someone. I can't remember her name. Sheila somebody, and they sort of mm-hmm. me- missed her the voice a bit. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that name in in the credits, yeah. and it. Uh, and again, I will say, if if not for the subtitles, I there were yeah. there were a few lines that I I would have I would have been able to understand, but there were also just as many that I would not have been able to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. What else about this? Uh, there were some technical mess ups in episode <laughs> three. I uh, I like. <laughs> You laughed. Which one are you referring to? I was thinking about the camera appearing from behind the edge of the set. Like, what? Yeah, I never noticed that for years. And then I remember seeing it when on the DVD with the subtitles on, they, they pointed out that it was going to come, and there it was. I'd forgotten about that when I watched. And then all of a sudden, whoa, what's a camera coming in, poking his way in to get the shot? It happened so fast that I, I didn't recognize that it was a camera, but I definitely saw it happen. I just, I thought maybe it was a stagehand or something. Right. Cause I was just like, what? And you were like, did you see that? Yeah. That was a camera. And I was like, oh, okay. And I mean, it's, it's very, very quick. If you only saw it one time when it was airing on, uh, on television yeah. in probably much less resolution than we're seeing it now on our giant television, you probably wouldn't notice it's not a big deal, but it is one of those kind of charming little factoids yeah. about classic Doctor Who. Yeah. Sometimes you see cameras or, or people wander into frame or or some sort of thing like that. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, there was no episode three slate on episode three because no. <laughs> I forgot to put that in. No, I didn't. That's kind of awesome, though. I like that. Yeah. And then there was another shot that I noticed, too. You could, like, there was like, basically a black drape hanging through the, through the hallway. You know, it was just supposed to be black. But you could see just the, the the drape sort of furled up on the bottom of the floor. So, and there's a couple like zooms in when they would sure probably shouldn't have been. So yeah, it was a bit of a technical nightmare. But it was on 35 millimeter f- a film, so the vid fire was better and the sound was a lot crisper in that episode because of that. I did notice the uh, the accidental zooms or the you know mistimed zooms. Mm-hmm. That was that was funny. But you know what else we did have some really cool, genuinely cool special effects. The the capsule traveling back and forth, a little like rocket ship <laughs> thing. I thought that looked amazing. I, again, I thought that looked like you know 1950s sort of B movie, but in a really fun and charming way. Mm-hmm. I I and I enjoyed the interior of the ca- like I I want one of those capsules. <laughs> I think they're great. I would like to put a television in the front of it and then there's just two seats and like, you know, you could sit in the back and I could sit in the front and we could watch TV together in mm-hmm. our cute little capsule. Yeah. I you could tell that like there's not a lot of conversation going on cuz every time we cut back to Colleen Zoe going there, it's like, "Oh, only 7 minutes now to the capsule." And then it cut back to another scene. "Oh, 1 minute away from the capsule." <laughs> it's almost like they've just been sitting there in silence until Cully speaks up every minute to say they're almost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you also liked some of the motifs in the Dominator's ship. Yes. Okay. I would like um, two of the walls. Like they have the sort of like star field screen with some of the like orbital patterns um, on one wall. Yeah. That was pretty cool. But the wall that I really, 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 really want is the one that's got like the psychedelic spinning and twirling mm-hmm. and like oh that was amazing and I wish I could see it in color to see if it's like actually colored. But I would prefer a black and white version for my for my own personal enjoyment like we could put it on the wall like behind the tv it'd be great yeah i think it was a back projection thing or something it was like multiple what made was made to look like multiple little screens in the yeah. background yeah i'd say the set design is probably better than the costume design in this because you know all, everyone all the dalsons are wearing like curtains of varying lengths um zoe and kando are wearing basically bathing suits with um a 
tool tutu on essentially just like or just you know like one very thin piece of sheer fabric yeah it's it's awful i think the uh the length of the skirts for men gets longer as they get older i have noticed or perhaps it uh indicates their rank because they're all the government folks whereas whereas teal and cully are not that's true also because the um the guy the emergency services fellow whose name i forgot tensa yes tensa he's pretty young too and he's got a nice long uh, curtain skirt okay. skirting skirt. <laughs> you heard it here first he's played by someone called brian Kant, who apparently goes on to a very uh big and successful career in british television so brian can brian can <laughs> but he never heard that in his life before that yeah, yeah. yeah. hey you married this buddy i know command <laughs> accepted um <laughs> Uh, I co- costume wise, I I like the Dominator's costumes. I would like to yeah. wear one of those like on an airplane flight because you got like your whole neck rest and everything just built in. You can just mm. fall right asleep. So those, that's fine. That's true, actually. I wonder if the actors did that. So you know, okay, take five, everyone, just sort of all uh, just rest my head, <laughs> the back of my costume. Uh, I noticed like Zoe's uh, straps kept falling down on her first scene uh-huh. wearing it, and the back of it actually came unfastened. Mm-hmm. So basically, like her costume was almost falling apart from. The very first scene. Yeah, I'm. I love her outfit that she is wearing at the beginning of the story. Wheel in space outfit. Yes, yeah. I really do. It's very practical, as as she pointed. Out. I did adore the scene after she gets the uh, the outfit and just being re- like, really, this is this is what you expect me to wear. It doesn't and it's not like she's. Um, she has any kind of modesty about it or there's any kind of social mores that she's she's dealing with. Mm-hmm. It's simply she doesn't think it's practical for everyday use, which it absolutely isn't. She's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's still got that scientist mind sort of saying, why am I wearing this? I'm per- wearing perfectly chromatic clothes before this. Now I'm wearing this silly skirt and Birkenstocks or something. Yeah. Yep. And then she is also the one who comes up with the plan that would have worked if not for Jamie. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Jamie uh, felt bad, though, to his, you know, he said, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he said, I'm sorry. Okay, Jamie. Good work. Uh, yeah, this is, this was, these two episodes were, were actually really good for all three of our main cast because we get to see Zoe being, being awesome and being clever and being, you know, just stick to itiveness and she, she's going to get stuff done. Uh, and I also like how she and Cully like keep holding hands when they're in the, the capital. Like he grabs her hand and like like that's just a nice nice touch. Let's go off to off to see the wizard and off they go. <laughs> yep. Uh, and you have Jamie and the Doctor with some lovely lovely Jamie and the Doctor scenes and you know the, them together playing off each other in the capital when they're trying to convince the rest of the uh, the council. And the scenes of them together in the capsule, and of course, it was it was a little f- farcical and ridiculous when Jamie points out they're going back to the place <laughs> where there's a quirk waiting for them, and the doctor hadn't realized it. Whoops, you know, <laughs> silly doctor face, which yeah. was funny. Um, but then you get all the physical comedy of Patrick Troughton diving underneath the. Uh, mm-hmm the boards and his legs sticking up and then when he's trying to steer and they're leaning forward and they're coming back up and Jamie's just like got Patrick Trouton but like by the face yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's all good stuff it's adorable I, th- I thought they were amusing when uh, you know the doctor's trying to convince the dominators that they're stupid mm-hmm. and so he sort of bumbles his way through these little intelligence tests you know yes yep also good that's and that's you know the doctor showing his cleverness and Jamie being 
right there not having any idea what's going on all yeah. along because he's Jamie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like the the nice little touch, uh, you know, so, where the, the um, what's his name, Ro, Roga, Roga, Rago has the space visor on and he sort of like, you know, displays signs of uh, rapid uh, learning. Recently, recent rapid learning. And I thought, yeah, because mm-hmm. Jamie was, you know, in the 18th century until he started traveling in the TARDIS, which is kind of a neat little touch, I thought. That was a really cool touch. Also, the, then the fact that only one heart, <laughs> which yeah. was which was funny. And I was like, oh, interesting. So presumably the Dominators have more than one heart. Yeah, and the Dalsons have two. Yeah, we know the Dalsons have two exactly. We don't know how many the, the Dominators have, maybe that's probably not a thing that they mention in the future episodes, but uh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, we are spared the mention of how many the Doctor has. That's true, because mm-hmm. he would just be identical to Jamie. They assume. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of specious reasoning on the part of Rago on that one. Mm-hmm. No, they would be identical. Rago is all about efficiency. He wants to save energy. Yep. He doesn't want to destroy things because he needs to save the energy for doing their drilling. It's very important. So, of course, he doesn't want to use their visor energy to to yeah. look at somebody else on that cool table thing that you don't actually get to see flip up from the no. wall. Um, but I like the, the sort of camera trick that they do to make it look like it's working. It was clever because it didn't have time or have resources to make a little bed that does that. So I thought it was pretty pretty clever little trick. Yeah, I, I liked it. it because it all, like the way that the camera sort of moved... And it it put it put you off put me off kilter I think more than actually watching it happen mm-hmm. would have then it would have just been kind of like oh cool that wall moves in this case it was like it was disorienting probably in the same way it was for Jamie it would have been probably as slow as remember in Enemy of the World when the do- uh, when Salamander <laughs> crawls into that capsule yes. it would have been that long and so it, it's kind of like disorientating and spacey. Mm-hmm. By it just sort of, and you know they've already sort of been like magnetized to the wall to begin with. So yeah, it seemed all that more impressive. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that was a that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. So while there may have been some, uh, you know, technical whoopses, there were yeah. also some 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 nice touches. That is 1960s Doctor Who in a nutshell, right there. Isn't it just? Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else about these two episodes? I think we should go and get some pizza pops. Yeah. So last episode i i said that uh for some reason watching the dominators reminds me of eating pizza pops once when i watched it on a weekday in my teens and i forgot to get pizza pops and we were literally about to press play on episode four uh, we had actually already pressed play on episode four yeah we're we're, we're just falling over ourselves to not comment on the first two minutes of episode four <laughs> in this podcast saving it for the next one so because we're gonna go now across the street in the snow here in Edmonton to try and find a box of pizza pops <laughs> so I can have a pizza pop for this for the last two episodes. Yep. Yep. It's it's it is snowing. It is minus three, like just under freezing. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful winter Friday night here in Edmonton. And uh what better way to celebrate than getting some of these mysterious Canadian pizza pops and watching some more Doctor Who from the sixties. Hope you enjoy it. If you're if you're listening right now and you're near pizza pops, go and get them and we'll We'll resume here and watch the last two episodes, okay? Okay. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye.